Hi everyone, welcome to today's Bacon a Mystery, Bacon a Murder. We're making strawberry tonghulu, you know that crunchy shell. We're doing it with some strawberry grapes, pineapple, and hot Cheetos. Because I had this in my pantry, I don't know how this is going to taste, I've never done this before, but do you guys peep the strawberry earrings? Now before we get started, I want to mention that today's BAM is on a movie called Come True, which is about um sleep experiments. It's about a girl who enters into this sleep experiment, she gets tested on, I mean it's a lot, like it's one of those movies where I had no idea jumping in, and the last two seconds of it there was this massive plot twist, and I was like, wait a minute, and I kept thinking about it all night. Now, do you know what I expect? experiment with. If you guys don't know, 2021 is a big year because it's actually Adam and Eve's 50th anniversary. 50 years! They're an online adult store and if you guys are over the age of 18, you can go browse their website. They have 24-7 customer support. It comes in discreet packaging, so if you've got neighbors, nosy neighbors, a Karen lives next door, your parents live at home, you've got roommates, it's super discreet. And here's the best part about Adam and Eve. 20% of their profit goes to help fight the spread of HIV around the world. They have 90-day no-hassle returns. Now, if you guys use my code MURDER, because RIP that A MURDER, if you go to adamandeve.com and use code MURDER, you can actually get 50% off of one item plus free shipping in the US and Canada. Some exclusions do apply. Thank you, Adam and Eve, for sponsoring today's video, and let's get into this Tonghulu nonsense that we're about to do. This movie is very, very interesting, and I'm just gonna plop you right into the middle of it. We're dealing with sleep experiments, night terrors, nightmares, sleepwalking. It's kind of like it had it had all the right things. It all starts with a girl by the name of Sarah. Now, Sarah happens to be in a rough spot, and we kind of know this because the first opening scene is of her sleeping on a playground slide. Like, you know how it's like a metal slide? Well, she has a blanket over her. She's literally sleeping on the slide. She checks her phone. It's 7-11 in the morning, 7-11 a.m., okay? So she wakes up and she rushes. She's getting on her bike and she's rushing somewhere. And I'm like, where are you going, girl? You got places to be or something? Turns out she's going home. Now, you're probably thinking, well, if she has a home, why doesn't she sleep there? Why is she sleeping on the slide, okay? So she watches through the windows to see what her mom is doing. So off the bat, right when you start this movie, you can tell that there's some family dynamic going on. So she's watching through the window. Finally, her mom leaves for work, gets into the car. She sneaks in through her bedroom window, takes a shower, gets ready, grabs more blankets, and then sneaks out. So whatever the reason, she's avoiding her mom like the plague. Then she ends up at school. So she's like a high schooler. Now at school, it doesn't seem like Sarah's particularly bullied. It just seems like she's kind of invisible. She's got this best friend, Zoe, that she's asking, hey, do you think that I could spend the weekend at your place? And it seems like Zoe knows about everything that's going on, why she's avoiding her mom, why she's sleeping at the park. And she says, okay, here's the thing. Zoe's like, listen, my mom's gonna come home in a couple of days, but right now it's just my dad. And my dad, he's just gonna say no. Even though I explained this whole situation, my dad's an asshole, he's gonna say no. So do you think maybe you can wait until tomorrow. Do you have a place to stay until tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, it should be fine. So Sarah just like goes along with it. She's like, I'm gonna be spending another day at the playground. So she goes back to the playground and this is terrifying. I mean, right in the opening scene, it's kind of sunny. You know, it's kind of like that morning dew. It almost seems, ooh, coming of age movie. But when it's at night, it's no longer coming of age. 
is true crime. It seems scary, okay? So she's just looking around, listening to every branch noise, laying on a metal slide with a blanket over her, and she finally falls asleep. And then we get this like montage of her falling asleep and having the same exact nightmare every single time. It's like there's this random door in the middle of nowhere, okay? She'll open the door, walk through it, suddenly she's in this like broken down house. On the walls, it looks like human bodies have been rammed into it. Like imagine if I'm trying to headbutt a wall, but the minute that my head gets absorbed by this wall, I just like freeze. It's just like in all different shapes and forms. They're attached to the walls. She goes through this hallway and then she opens another door and there's just these columns of shadow people. Imagine Death Eaters, but a little bit more human-like. Death Eater? From, um, not Death Eaters. From Harry Potter, the ones in the room. Dementors. Dementors. Yeah, yeah. Me literally trying to say soul suckers. <laughs> <laughs> so these little soul suckers everywhere. And then her alarm goes off 7-Eleven and she wakes back up, okay? Now it seems like she has these reoccurring nightmares a lot. So she goes to the local cafe. She orders hella coffee. She's just trying to stay caffeinated. Maybe she doesn't even want to sleep because her nightmares are so scary. I relate. I can understand. And that's when she sees on the big clipboard, sleep experiment, sleep study. Please sign up. We pay $12 an hour and you have a place to sleep at night. So the whole gig of it is that you would come in right after work, right after school when it's nighttime, time to go to sleep. Then you get hooked up to these machines. You get studied for $12 an hour. You have a place to sleep, a hospital, a clinic and then you just leave in the mornings again. This is literally her dream setup. Not only does she not have to sleep on that slide anymore, but she can get paid for this? That's insane. So she calls the number, she takes like one of those slips, she calls the number and she meets up with the doctor at this really creepy looking hospital. And they just ask her a couple of questions. I mean, do you sleep normally? Do you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep? Have you ever been diagnosed with night terrors, with sleep paralysis, with sleepwalking, sleep apnea? And she says, well, I've never been officially diagnosed with sleepwalking and I haven't sleepwalked in like years. Okay, that's okay. Wait, so how does this thing work? You guys just straight up pay me to sleep? I mean, that sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the whole thing about the study is that you come in at night, we hook you up to some machines, and we just monitor your sleep, and you get paid $12 an hour. Yes, in the mornings, we will ask you a couple of questions. Really standard, but that's it. You can go on your day, and then we'll see you that night again. So she's like, huh, that's it? Just $12? That's crazy. So when do we start? Well, we start on Monday, so just after the weekend, and you can come in, and we will be studying your sleep. So she's like, this is kind of amazing, what the heck? So she leaves, and that weekend, she spends the whole weekend with her best friend, Zoe. And it's kind of sad, because you can see that she's a completely different life. Like, Zoe, the whole time, I mean, she's just living a regular teenager life, just at her parents. Meanwhile, you have Sarah, who can't go home, and just feels really thankful to have a blanket on a ground with a roof over her head. So she doesn't tell Zoe about the experiment, but that Monday she goes into the sleep study and it's gonna last two months. She's gotta go there every single night for the next two months and she's waiting in the lobby room. And this is when she sees that there are other people that are entering in this sleep study. So there's about five guys and two girls and they start talking in the lobby and they're just like, oh, like, are you guys excited? She's like, this is crazy. I can't believe we're making money like just by sleeping. Yeah. yeah yeah, I've been doing like sleep studies since I was like five. Since you were five? Oh uh, yeah, I've been I've been part of this study since I was like sixteen. Sixteen? 
that's weird. I mean, why would you? But she doesn't question it. But it is a little weird. Like, who needs to be part of the? Maybe it's like for money making reasons. Maybe these people just go around looking for sleep studies to make money while they sleep. But. It was just a little bit odd. So she finally gets admitted into a room. Now there's two rooms and it looks like just one of those empty hospitals with these hospital beds. There's a woman's room and a men's room. So there's only one other patient with her. There's only two girls in this sleep study. So as they're getting hooked up to these, like almost like a hat, you know, those little wires that attach and um, she would have to lay in this bed. There's a security camera in the corner of the room and she has a couple of questions all of a sudden. She's like, well, what are you guys looking for? Oh, we can't really tell you that. That's, that would kind of ruin the sleep study. Oh, okay. Is there any reason that there's more guys than girls? Oh, no, we can't really tell you that either. That would ruin the study. What can you tell me? Nothing. <laughs> so she's like, oh, um, okay. So they hook her up to these machines. So she falls asleep in that hospital bed next to Emily. And then we get a look into the back room. So there's actually a bunch of students and a bunch of doctors watching these crazy amount of monitors. Now what's very fascinating is that the monitors don't look high tech. They almost look kind of a vintage vibe to it. So there's something about this sleep study that just makes you feel uneasy. Like why aren't they using the newest technology on a sleep study? This doesn't make any sense. So they're looking at these vintage monitors and this old man walks in and he is Dr. Meyer. He is the head of this research team and he starts explaining to his students sleep one this is phase one you're gonna see them this is when they start falling asleep their breathing slows down a little bit if you wake them up at this stage if you wake them up at this stage, most of them won't even feel like they slept at all. They'll feel like this is absolutely nothing. I literally just laid in bed. This is also when the muscle contractions start to you know, happen. So you might see someone spaz out. You might see some leg jerks. And then phase two is when they reach slower breathing, their body temperature drops, their heart rate goes down. So their bodies are preparing them for deep sleep. And then we have stage three and four which is deep sleep. If you were to wake them up, it would be difficult. And on top of that, they would be startled. Uh, for the first few moments, they may not even know where they are. And now we wait and they'll enter REM. This is when the dreams happen. And one of the students is like, that's crazy. It's almost like clockwork. They just like fall asleep at the same time. Like most of them are falling asleep around the same time as each other. It's not like one takes 20 hours. Yeah, for most people, sleep is clockwork. And now we just wait. And they're all just standing there in silence watching these monitors. And then they all fall asleep and the doctor asks, who's on feed one, monitor one? Oh, that's Sarah, Sarah Dunn. Interesting, send her feed to my office. And then he just leaves. <laughs> what do you mean it's good? <laughs> just like this. That's good? Okay. Okay, so now we add in, this is two and a half cups of just sugar, and we add in one cup of water. Don't stir it even though you really want to, because what is that? And then you just turn it on. Wait till it gets to about like 280, then you turn it off, because you only want it at like 300. Well, I wanted to turn it off a little earlier, oh, okay. you know? Yeah. So like 280, shut the fire off. So Sarah wakes up the next morning and it seems like this is the first time that she hasn't had a nightmare. Even when she was at her friend Zoe's house, she had a freaking nightmare of these faceless, you know, chandelier people just hanging off in this abandoned house. So they ask her, how was your sleep? And she says, oh, seriously, the best sleep I've gotten in like months now. She moves on with her day and she just starts doing some high school girl sh
She goes to class. Afterwards, she goes to a cafe again. She goes to a library, and that's when she meets a guy by the name of Jeremy, or at least that's what he says his name is. And he's just like, "You like that book? I know that book. That author is amazing. You should buy that book. It's one of the best books ever." Like, you know, one of those mo romantic moments in a library. Think you of Netflix, right? Just kind of creepy vibes, but also at the same time. Maybe romantic, just depends on how you look at it. So she's like, oh, okay. Proceeds to buy the book. Then afterwards, she meets up with her friend Zoe and they go to a movie theater. Now, this is where it's strange. She's watching this really intense horror movie. Girl, maybe that's why you're having these nightmares. Just super crazy. She's sitting there. And when it's like flashing white light, she looks to her side and there's that guy from the library sitting next to her, just staring at her. So she's like, okay, something strange is going on. Immediately after the movie is over, she She's just trying to rush Zoe. She's like, stop, stop. I saw him at the library. Like, I don't want to run into him. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So she starts rushing away with her, and her friend's like, this is crazy. I mean, I can't believe you're getting paid to sleep. So do you have to go, like, right now, and you just go into a hospital bed, and you just sleep, and you get paid? I wish my parents would let me do stuff like that. And she's like, no, you don't. But yeah, I gotta go. So she heads to the hospital, and this time, her good buddy, I think her name was, like, Emily or something, isn't there. So now she's the only one in the girls' room. She keeps asking, where did she go? Oh, I don't know. I mean, with studies like this, it's common. People either drop out or, you know, your bed at home is always a lot more comfortable than getting hooked up to machines at a hospital. She didn't even say anything to you? No, I mean, a lot of people just drop out. It's, it's all part of these studies that you just have to account for people that are just going to leave. Oh, okay. Um, so it's just me in here? Yeah, just you. So she gets hooked up to the machines and she lays in bed. And this time, it's like a much different vibe. She's no longer that excited. She's kind of creeped out. I mean, wouldn't you be just in this like stark hospital room by yourself? Like the first night, her and Emily were like, this is crazy, I'm so excited. And now she's completely alone. So she looks over and she stares at the CCTV and she falls asleep. Now this time, she has a nightmare, like scary nightmare. I'm talking dementors. They're hanging from ceilings. They're coming at her. And at the end of every single nightmare, she has this almost like a slender man looking person with these, um, yeah, with these eyes, these just glowing eyes without any other facial features, just staring at her and they keep getting closer and closer and then she'll wake up. So she wakes up just like screaming, drenched in sweat from her nightmare. It's the next morning, right? So she goes into the room with all these students who are taking these notes and they say, okay, so how was your night last night? I mean, I just, I mean, I had a nightmare. Okay, that's cool. Uh, we're just gonna show you a collection of images and I want you to tell me if you remember any of these, if you have any feelings of these, just kind of what's your first thought. Like, you know those little tests where they show you these little blotched prints and you're like, oh, that looks like a butterfly. And they're like, oh, because you're a free soul. You've got wings, you know? That's how they do it, right? So they start showing her these black and white images and she's just getting like tense. Like she just feels uncomfortable. I think it's, I mean, I can understand like you wake up from a nightmare and you're like, what the fork? I don't wanna be here. I don't wanna talk about anything. Like I'm stressed. I feel anxious from this dream. And that's kind of the vibe she's giving. She's very agitated. She doesn't wanna look at these images and she just kept saying, I don't know. It's like literally this, this entire picture is just all black. This entire picture is like black and white blotches. Like, I don't, I don't know what, I, what am I supposed to be saying? You know, I, I, I don't know. And so they're like, that's okay, that's okay. Just, just maybe a couple more. So they keep showing her more and she's like, what happened to Emily? Emily? Oh, I thought we told you. She probably just left without even saying anything to us. Yeah, I mean, it happens. And then they go, anyways, we have one last picture that we want to show you. And they pull out the picture 
and immediately she starts hyperventilating. She starts having like a full on, okay, so at first I thought it was a seizure, but later on I find out she has one of the worst panic attacks that she has ever had in her entire life. And they start calling over all the other doctors, they rush into the room and we get a glimpse of that picture. It's a picture of the faceless glowing eyed man in her dream. Has that man ever showed up in her dream before? Yes, okay. her whole life pretty much. And so she starts having a full-on panic attack and one of the male doctors, he runs in and guess who it is? It's Jeremy from the library. So she starts freaking out. His name's not even Jeremy, but we're just gonna call him Jeremy for the rest of this video. So she starts freaking out and she's like, I, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this. And he's like, listen, I know, I know I shouldn't have approached you at the library. I just saw you there and I just, I, I just wanted to see what you thought of the study. Please don't drop out of the study because of me. I know it was unprofessional. I should've, I should've either stayed away. I shouldn't have introduced myself or I should've told you that I'm a doctor in your sleep study. And she's like, no, this is, I'm not dropping out because of you. I'm dropping out because I just had one of the worst panic attacks I've ever had in my entire life and no one's telling me what the f is going on, okay? What? I don't, I can't do this. And so she's freaking out. Meanwhile, we see the head doctor, the old dude that was talking about phase one of the sleep study, right? He's in his office watching the panic attack on CCTV footage. Like it's been recorded, right? So her being shown these images and the main girl, Anita, who is the one showing all of these images, she's looking at the main doctor like she's about to get fired and he's pissed. He's like, why would you do this? This is unauthorized. This is the first time that we have ever, ever done anything like this. A sleep study like this has never been done before and you're ruining it. We're either going to be praised or we're going to be crucified. So no more unauthorized things. And she just said, okay, okay, yeah, we're sorry. I, we just, we just wanted to see if she'd remember. What's obvious that she remembers. So they just, you know, put their tail between their legs and they just take the pictures and they leave. So it's like, what's going on here? I mean, I kind of get the idea that they're showing her images from her sleep. And at this point, after she saw that black and white photo, that's when Sarah's life just like turns upside down. So she goes to the laundromat to do some laundry and she's sitting there and she gets a call from her best friend Zoe again. She picks up, but for some reason she can't understand a word that Zoe's saying. Like it just sounds really staticky. And she looks up and in the corner of the laundromat, she sees what she thinks is like a shadowy figure. So she starts hyperventilating, right? She has another panic attack. She drops her phone and we don't know if she's knocked unconscious. We don't know if she falls asleep. But the next thing you know, an old lady's coming over. Miss? Miss? Oh, sorry. I didn't want to wake you while you were asleep, but, but I, I wouldn't have, you know, because you're enjoying your time. But one of the boys just stole something from you. There was a guy who walked in here and stole something. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I just thought you should know. So she starts looking around and her phone has been stolen. Oh, when her friend calls, it's like very staticky. Oh. So she's like, hello, like, I can't hear you. You know, we're breaking up, like that type of thing. But she sees a shadowy figure in the corner, which she hasn't, like we haven't at least seen her see anything like this outside of her dream. So she starts freaking out even more. She gets on her bike, she rushes to Zoe's house. Nobody's answering the door. So then she rushes back to the hospital because she has no phone, nothing. And she approaches Jeremy and she's like, I need you to tell me what's going on. I need you to tell me. And he's like, I can't, I can't do that, Sarah. Like, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. Listen, your study is f***ing me up. I don't know what it is, but ever since you guys showed me that picture, I don't know what's going on. I can't think straight. Weird things are happening. I feel like I'm scared. Like, just tell me, what is this study about? Did you guys do something to me? And he's like, I can't, I can't. Like, I could, 
I could lose my job if I tell you. And she straight up tells him, either you tell me what's going on and I will re-enter into the sleep study or I'm going to tell all your bosses that you've been stalking me outside of this sleep study and we'll see how they like that. So he's like, okay, okay. He hushes her. He's like, come into this room. So they go into his office and again, it's all of these like vintage looking monitors and some of them are static. Some of them are, you know, frozen at these still images. They all look kind of nightmare inducing and he has the same headset and he puts it on his head and one of the monitors shows her like his surroundings what he would see out of his eyes oh and so he says okay so in berkeley there's this crazy doctor who finally found out how to process images that our brain processes so we can watch it in real time as you would a movie as you would a vlog or something and we're watching these dreams we're watching these nightmares in real time okay but what would be the point in that? I mean, cool, you can do that, but why is that useful to watch our dreams? So here's the thing. In all these different cultures, in all these different communities, they don't even speak the same language. They don't maybe have any similarities, but there's always one thing that's shown up in almost everyone's dream, at least once in their lives. A shadowy figure with glowing eyes. And it's always been dismissed of, well, I'm sure your shadowy figure in Korea is different from the shadowy figures that we see in America. I'm sure it's different from the ones that we see in all these other parts of the world. And we always, you know, kind of put it off like that. But now with this type of technology, it's all the same. And so he goes, look, okay, I'm going to show you something. It's not going to be, it's not going to be yours because, you know, we can already tell what the human brain does once you have your nightmares replayed back to you. It's not good, right? Because I think your brain would freak out. Maybe your brain can't understand, wait a minute, now I knew that that was a nightmare, but now you're showing me in real life, so now I'm confused, is this a nightmare or not, right? Like, I think that's why she had such a panic attack. And so he's like, I'm not going to show you your dream, but let me show you some others. So he starts playing on the monitors, the other sleep study people's dreams. And it's the same exact shadowy figure, faceless, just like slender man with glowing eyes. And she's like, don't, don't you think that's messed up? Like, I mean, I get it. Maybe it's important for science, but isn't there like a part of you that feels gross watching this? Like you're watching something you probably shouldn't be watching. Yeah, and I wouldn't have done that without a really good reason. So the reason that we're doing this, and of course, someone walks into the room. So they gotta disperse. They're like hiding, okay? They leave, she runs out, she's freaking out, but she decides to hold up her end of the deal. She decides she's gonna re-enter back into the sleep study. So they hook her up to the machines that night. She lays in bed. So she gets hooked up in bed and all the doctors are again watching all of these monitors. And it's so weird because this is like the first time we see the monitors. We've always just seen little bits and pieces, but we've never just had like a frame of just us watching these monitors with the doctors. And at one point, it's the same dream for everyone. At the end, it always ends with them face to face with this shadowy figure with glowing eyes. And the doctor explains, the head doctor, Dr. Meyer, he explains, that every dream has its own narrative. Every dream has its subplots, its own different characters. But for some reason, for some reason, they always end up at the same place in front of this shadowy figure. And then they wake up. 
So Jeremy tells the rest of the people that he's been having this shadowy figure in his dream since he was six years old. And it's the same shadowy figure as everyone else. And they're all just kind of watching in amazement. And then all of a sudden, alarms start going off because Sarah is having another panic attack. She's having like a full-on seizure in her dream. So one of the doctors, Anita, the girl, she starts rushing to her room, unhooks her, and she starts freaking out. Like, you guys are disgusting. Like, what is going on here? And she's like, it's okay, Sarah. You're just having a nightmare. Yeah, I know. I know you can see it too. And she just pretty much blurts out everything that she knows. Jeremy rushes in and she takes off the headset and everyone's staring at her. Sarah, your eye. And she has like blood coming out of her eye. So she looks at it. There's blood. She's like, okay, f this like I gotta go and she scrambles out of the hospital now Jeremy's trying to follow her because this seems like dangerous she seems out of her mind it's like the middle of the night she's scared so he starts trying to follow her but she gets on her bike and she's just biking out of it booking out of this town meanwhile the other doctors have another problem the other two guys in the study they're having a seizure two of the like five guys right so they're watching the monitors and they see that they're no longer in the dream these two guys or in sleep paralysis. They open their eyes, they see the hospital room, and you can see it in the monitors, but now the shadowy figure is in the corner of the hospital room, slowly coming towards them. And they're, they're trying to cry, but they can't, because it's sleep paralysis. Their heart rates are going up, they're panicking. So one of the doctors is like, someone's gotta go wake them up, someone's gotta wake them up, right? So you got one of the assistants, they're running in. Oh my God. And immediately as the assistant gets close, one of them just shoots up and stands up in bed. Like they lift their torso up in bed. And then all the electricity cuts out. It all sounds like um, paranormal stuff, but it's not. It's crazy. All of this is going to make sense at the end, which is, I like this movie a lot for that reason. It's not just like, oh yeah, it's sleep paralysis. Oh yeah, it's a dream. Oh yeah, it's a scary ghost. It's not like that at all. It's so weird. So, um, you know, she's running away. Jeremy finally finds her. She's at a club where she was looking for Zoe. This is probably like Zoe's favorite club. She's throwing up in the bathroom. He carries her into the car, takes her to his place, and she wakes up, her eyes all bandaged up, and she's just super freaking scared. So she goes into his room because she wakes up alone in Jeremy's apartment. She goes to the bathroom, sees that her blood is completely bloodshot, puts the bandage back on, and his house has a lot of the same machines as the hospital, but they're kind of covered in like white sheets. Looks really creepy. So she's walking around and she sees him laying in bed with the little headset on. So he's got his own headset at home. Like this is creepy. And she goes, she finds a monitor, takes off the sheet and starts watching it. And now she sees what he sees, which is he sees his room and in the corner is a shadowy figure. He's having sleep. So she, she's like, what is that? So she runs into his room, looks in the corner, nothing's there. Runs back to the monitor, but there's a shadowy figure there. The ones that she sees in her dreams. So she runs back and starts trying to wake him up. And eventually he wakes up and he's freaked the fork out. Now, for whatever rhyme or reason, they go out to dinner and then they start doing it, okay? <laughs> because that's what, it, it has to happen in a movie, okay? It's not a movie until I see a butt. That's it. That's how I consider it now. So they go out to eat. She's like, I lost my phone. He's like, I'll help you find your phone in your mouth with my tongue. Like doing all of that. And they go back home and they start doing it. And it's really intense. It's really passionate. But out of nowhere, for some reason, Sarah is awake, okay? She's doing it. She's awake. But she sees right behind Jeremy in the corner 
are two shadowy figures. So she starts having a panic attack and he backs away from her because he's like, I don't know if I'm like hurting her, what's going on? And she's like, Sarah, come on, Sarah, Sarah. And then eventually he has to take her to the hospital. He calls 911, they rush to the hospital, she's placed into a room, she's hooked up, and he is sitting in the little chair next to her in the hospital bed, and he falls asleep. And he wakes up again because he has sleep paralysis. I don't know what the fork's going on, okay? So much sleep paralysis, but when he wakes up, she's no longer in the bed. So she start, he starts freaking out, goes through the hallway. Now what's very interesting is that this hospital has nobody else. There, not one patient, not one nurse while he's walking through this hallway. And it's just a really off-putting vibe. And so she goes to, he goes to the front desk and he's like, listen, um, my friend Sarah, I don't know where she is. Okay, what's her last name? Sarah Dunn. Okay, well, she's in room two, 238. Yeah, that's the point, I know, but she's not in her room. Okay, well, she probably should be. Yeah, I know, but she's not in her room. Do you not understand? Okay. Okay, sir, Jeremy, whatever your name is, just wait on the side. I can call security. We can see where she is. Maybe she went to get tested for something, okay? Just sit in the lobby, and I'll come get you when we find her. So he calls for security, and security starts calmly walking down the hallway. Again, no other nurses, no other doctors. I don't know if you've been to a hospital, but they're usually, like, running around, okay? And so he notices this, and he stands up, and he starts kind of looking through the rooms. Nobody and he sees this one empty room that has the security feed of the hospital and it's just kind of cutting from different You know where there's movement. He sees the security officer walking down the hallway completely alone He sees the front desk lady and then he sees Sarah Mindlessly walking in her hospital gown through the parking lot. So he freaks out rushes towards her and she is sleepwalking It's ready. It's ready. It's ready. It's ready. Okay, well, I'm okay it's ready so now it's at 300. Oh. I'm so scared. And oh. you just start. That's it. It's okay. That's good. Okay. Nah, we gotta do a speed though. Okay, speed, speed. Sorry. I'm gonna oh. pause on the story because, oh. but we're all good. Just Whoa, look speedy. At that. So pretty. Make speedsters. Okay. This is an incredibly stressful process, no? Yeah. <laughs> How many have we failed in our lifetime? Too many. Cheetos! Wait, this one. And then Cheetos. Okay, go dip the Cheetos. All oh, the stress. All oh, the stress is so real. Oh. Okay. Yay. Now we wait for it to harden, yes? Yes. All right, well, it's obvious that she's sleepwalking and she's probably having a nightmare. So Jeremy immediately calls the lab and is like, you need to bring the headset. Bring it, we're gonna, we're gonna walk with her. We're gonna keep walking with her. We're gonna hook her up and see what she's seeing. We need to do this because something might be happening. So Anita's super pissed about this. She's like, listen, you told her exactly what's going on. All of these people are spazzing out. We will be lucky if we ever get another job. We will be lucky if we ever see the light of day again. Please, just do this one favor for me, Anita. So she ends up driving, meeting him. She's on the phone, he's telling her exactly where to meet them, she keeps walking, and the whole time, again, it's very interesting because you don't see anyone, right? And eventually, Sarah gets hooked up to the machine, they're watching it on like a tablet, right, as she's walking. And she's just, there's nothing, it's just all black. And she's like, I just, Anita, the nurse, or the doctor, is like, I just don't think that this is, this is a good idea. This seems what? What? You look confused. Is it good? It's so good. Okay, I need to try you want. it. Ready? Mm. Wow. Mm. Are we ready for the pineapple? 
Is it good? No. Wow. Okay. Now a grape. Cheetos. Wow, okay. Last bite. Ready? What? That is the world's most confusing thing ever. Well, Cheeto Tonfulu slaps. Hmm? Cheeto Tonfulu slaps. You like it? It's like sweet, but spicy. <coughs> <laughs> it slaps. I can't taste the spiciness that much. It is crunchy though. The crunch works better on the Cheeto than so the fruit. <laughs> oh my god, another one! <coughs> So they're walking. She's hooked up to these machines. They keep watching what is she seeing. And, you know, Anita, the doctor, um, okay, first of all, I don't know if she's a doctor. She might be a student. I don't know, okay? It doesn't matter. The doctor, she's walking, and she's like, I just don't think that we should be doing this. This feels dangerous. We should call, we should call Dr. Meyer. Like, I just, this isn't right. And he's like, listen, we can't wake her up. I've tried waking her up. I can't get her out of the sleepwalking, but I know that we can get her at the height of her nightmare. That's how it works. You wake up in the height of your nightmare, or if there's a shadowy figure, don't try to wake her up because your brain makes sure that you avoid death. You wake up before you die in dreams. There's like an aversion. Your brain tries not to let you die, even in your dreams. So it's like, we just got to keep following her. So they watch her, they follow her, and she goes into this open field that they've never been to. And she just is mindlessly walking into this field in her hospital gown. So he's like, okay, keep going, keep going. That's when they start seeing some glowing eyes in the monitor. Like she's seeing people in her dream now. And then all of a sudden, an alarm rings. And they don't know where this alarm is. So he's like, hold on, let me try to find this. And he walks around the field and finds the source of the sound and it's a phone alarm going off. Even Jeremy himself looks puzzled. There's a phone in the middle of this field, just grass field in the middle of the night. And he turns it off. And the minute that he turns off and swipes off that alarm, she wakes up from sleepwalking and she's crying, she's screaming. I mean, she's terrified, right? And he's like, it's okay, I got you, I got you. Don't worry, don't worry. So then they start walking towards the main street again. And she's like, I just don't understand. What time is it? And he pulls out that phone that he just turned the alarm off to. And she's like, why do you have my phone? Uh-huh. What? This is in the field. You, the, I found it in the grass. And Anita's like, it's okay, it's okay, Sarah. Maybe, maybe you came here before. No, I've, I've never been to this place before. Well, maybe you've came and you sleepwalked and you didn't remember and you dropped your phone. No, you don't get it. My phone was stolen. And she's kind of creeped out about all of this. Now, while she's creeped out, they start walking and they start seeing glowing eyes everywhere. She's not dreaming. She's not sleepwalking. Glowing eyes all over the trees and they start making a run for it. And Anita is the first one that's grabbed by these shadowy figures and she slips away, she's screaming. And then Jeremy gets dragged and now she's completely alone, screaming, running. And she runs straight into the face of that faceless slender man with glowing eyes. And then she wakes up. All okay. of this was a dream and she had woken up and she's naked and got blood all over her. And she looks down and that hospital scene never happened because she sees that she has stabbed Jeremy and has gauged out his eyes, thinking that he was the Slender Man in her dream, essentially. Well, she was never in the hospital? Yeah. 
remember how they were doing it and she saw the shadowy figures well the first variation he backed off he called the hospital you know took her there right uh -huh. but in reality she just woke up she had gauged his eyes out and he's been killed and she's got blood all over her that's not the plot twist right wait, wait, wait. so whatever you just said for the last 10 minutes was not no real no and then she goes into the bathroom and she's got blood all over her, right? And her eye looks a little bit better. And she hears a ding that sounds like her phone, like a text message just came in. And she looks and at the corner of the bathroom is her phone that she had stolen from her. So none of this is making sense. And she reads the text message and it says, if you are reading this, you've been in a coma for the past 20 years. We're trying a new technique. We don't know where this message is going to show up in your dreams. Please wake up. And she looks in the mirror and she has fangs. And she starts kind of giggling. That's the end. Okay, so bear with me. At first, what? I know what you look like. You look like this is a movie, okay? I know that face when I explain a story and he's upset by it. But think about it, okay? Think about it. She was never in a sleep study. She's been in a coma for 20 years. That's the whole theory of this video. And the doctors that are part of the sleep study are actually her doctors in real life trying to wake her up from this coma. So the one thing that they kept repeating in the whole movie is that your brain doesn't want you to die in your dreams. So you wake up before you die, right? Now you usually die when there's a nightmare. So they're trying to get her to wake up by implanting these nightmares into her from this coma. So her brain is trying to make sense of it though, because you know, that's what your brain does. So in, in order to have these doctors around you, she's like saying that, oh, I'm doing this sleep experiment, like in her brain. So it seems like she's half awake. Now with the whole sleep experiment thing too, a lot of the people were like, oh, I've been doing this since I was five. So maybe he's been in a coma since he was five, you know? They're all coming to this sleep study. One of them wakes up, one of the guys wakes up in the middle of the sleep and every he's never seen again from the sleep study. Does that make sense? Emily randomly leaves the sleep study. Where'd she go? She woke up from her coma. It's the theory. You're just crunching on Tom Hulu being real skeptical about this one, huh? So the whole theory is that she's been in a coma for 20 years. Somehow the doctors are able to try to like put some nightmares into her dreams because the one thing that they kept saying is that you have an aversion to death. You don't want to die in your dream. So maybe if we create a scenario where you feel like you're close to death in your dream, you might wake up. And so that's why they keep doing this. And probably they're doing it to multiple different patients at once, not just her. Maybe it's a sleep, like a coma study. And that is why the doctors get involved. But as Sarah is in this coma, she probably feels like her brain needs to make up a reason why she's seeing these shadowy figures. So kind of what I'm thinking is that she's in this coma and living a regular life, but then all in her dream, in her coma. And I also don't know how comas work, by the way. So like if you've been in a coma and you woke up from it and you're like, yeah, no, I don't remember Jack. Sorry, I don't know, okay? So just fictionally speaking, she's been living like a regular life in her coma, but then she starts seeing these shadowy figures. So her brain keeps thinking of a reason to why that would happen, because it wouldn't happen in real life. So her brain's like, oh no, you were sleeping in your coma. You know, you had a nightmare in your sleep. And then she starts seeing it outside of sleep. So then the brain's like, oh, it's because these doctors are fucking with you. It's because the sleep study's fucking with you.
It's because, like, the whole brain creates this whole sleep study scenario so that you have an explanation of why you see shadow people because that's not something that you would see in real life, which makes your brain go crazy. Your brain's like, nope, we got to come up with a theory. We got to come up with an explanation for this. Otherwise, we're going to lose our marbles. So then she goes through all of this, and even the doctors keep saying to her, like, she's kind of half conscious coming out of it. Like, no, we need to wake her up at the height of her nightmare because your brain doesn't want to die even in your dreams, maybe even in your coma. Mm. right so they keep trying to send her messages even like this text message she lost her phone but somehow it re you know reappears and the whole thing with the fangs is that the minute that she gets that text message she looks in the mirror and she has fangs which means and she seems happy for the first time in this whole movie so it seems like this is her realization that this isn't real life because how do you just grow fangs that doesn't happen in real life you know <laughs> so this is like her being like oh shit, i'm in a coma and then the other people in the sleep study, they're also in comas. That's why one of them was like, I've been here since I'm five, you know? I've been doing this then since I was five. how does she see the other people in her dreams? Well, that I don't know, okay? But like, you know. But that's the official explanation. Yeah, that I've seen in, yeah, most of these like film breakdowns, okay? I thought you'd love this ending. I loved this ending. So this whole movie was a yeah. dream? Don't say dream because I hate movies like that. I hate movies that are like, and then she woke up. But the whole coma aspect. I, like I like the concept. Me too. I like the concept that there's okay. a meaning behind oh. every. Yes. And you know how I said vintage monitors? That's important. So throughout the whole movie, you see a mixture of technology. So it's like your brain just putting together scenes and it's not actually accurate because if you had a sleep study, they would be using the newest technology. It would because you also see iPhones and tablets, but then you also see these vintage monitors. It's just like a mixture of weirdness going on. Because she's been in the coma for so long. For 20 years. Mhm. I loved this movie. It made me think. Right, because my my fascination with it is to me it feels like the doctors are trying to wake her up from her coma and the way that I see it is this whole movie is just showing you that your brain does everything to try to make the most sense out of things. Uh, like she's filling in all these gaps. You don't think that's so interesting? Yeah. Like the doctors are like put a scary demon in her dream and her brain comes up with this giant scenario where she's sleeping on a slide. Oh, now she got to find a place to see. Ooh, sleep study at a cafe. And then she's like, now I'm going to go to this sleep study. Oh, doctors, welcome. Oh, this is why I'm seeing this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like to me, that is so fascinating that your brain comes up with a backstory on top of a backstory on top of a backstory just so it can explain one thing mm. no I like it. because your brain can't just accept the fact that you can walk around town and see a fucking shadow person okay your brain's like mm -mm, not today unacceptable i thought it was cool yeah so uh he didn't like it so much but um i hope you guys liked it let me know in the comments what are your thoughts i'll be back with probably a book bam soon <laughs> Don't hate me. And I hope you guys enjoyed and make sure to check out adamandeve.com and use code MURDER to RIP.A. Sorry. <laughs> and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.